Hey guys, it's Brittany from the Titanic Scene by Scene podcast. I just wanted to take a minute to explain our absence before we jump into this episode. Ethan has actually been experiencing some health issues that have prevented him from speaking, so we literally have not been able to record for a while now. The episode you're about to listen to was actually recorded weeks ago as part of our last session. When we record, we'll typically sit down for a few hours and try to make it through as many scenes as we can. That way we can have a bunch of episodes backlogged and recorded and ready for me to edit and release to you guys in a timely manner. I've been holding on to this most recent episode because I was hoping that we could record a few punch-ins covering some stuff we forgot to mention, but that stuff is honestly not that important right now and we're still unable to record, so we didn't want to wait any longer without releasing content. We posted about our break last month on our socials, so that's actually a pretty good reason to go follow us over there to keep up with, you know, any important updates such as this. Obviously, we cannot wait to be able to sit down and get back to work as soon as possible, but for now, please enjoy Departure, which is the most recent episode we have recorded. Thank you guys so much, especially for listening as well. We really, really, really appreciate it. Please keep Ethan in your thoughts during this time, and yeah, we'll be back ASAP, guys. Thanks. Hello, welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. Right now, we are talking about Departure, which is the title, of course, on the DVD scene selection, which starts with Titanic blowing her horn Mm -hmm. and people taking the ropes off the dock. Mm Mm-hmm. And sending Titanic on her way. I love... This is so funny. Like, I love Jack and Fabrizio running to the side of the ship, and they're waving, goodbye, and then, you know somebody. Of course not. That's not the point. Yeah. (laughs) Goodbye, I'll miss you. I didn't realize what he said at first. I had to rewind it. I thought it was an interesting... It's an interesting line. It's, like, very random, but it's funny. (laughs) And then Fabrizio, I will never forget you. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Okay, yeah, I'll never forget you. Like, it, it's oh, funny, but I'm not, like, at first I wasn't sure that James Cameron put it in there. I, I thought he was doing it for exposition, but then I realized I think he might just be doing it for actual comedic effect. Yeah, and yeah, I always thought funny. it was funny. It is funny. It's a good line. I liked it the second time around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the shots of Titanic taking off. I don't uh-huh. think that looks that bad any like today. No, it, I thought the same thing too. I was like, wow, this looks really good. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's a 22-year-old movie and still really, really a good shot. And and that's mm-hmm. how people leaving on a boat in the early 1900s. And it's leaving on a ship or a boat in the early yeah. 1900s. I mean, people were, you know, everyone went to see you off and it was... And it reminds me of like before 9-11, uh, you know, you had someone arriving on a plane or, or leaving mm-hmm. on a plane. Everyone would go to the gate because you could. Um, or, you know, they'd all come, come to see you come in or see you depart on the plane. I just remember having memories of that, you know, when we travel to see family. It's just something that's really cool. Uh, something that we like won't really ever see anymore. 
Uh, right. Back in 97, we still kind of had a semblance of that with planes and, and, and airports. But in this day and age, like, I feel like people who never experienced that can't fathom that that's how it happened. Like, everyone would come to see you off. Right. And this departure scene, this footage is the is the same footage from the sepia yeah. filter the beginning, uh, yeah. footage at the intro. I think, yeah, I think the effects still look pretty good. And they used every trick in the book to make Titanic happen with this movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it pays off. Like, you know, using practical effects mixed in with the special effects, it has clearly paid off in the long run, you know. And it, yeah, it was like a perfect time. Uh, you know, like I said, it was a perfect time in special effects because it was when we mastered the practical effect, I think, Mm -hmm. where right before we started really using, like, the industry started using CGI for everything. And and we're seeing it perfectly, the height of practical effects right before that transition or amidst that transition. And, uh, Mm -hmm. like, I just think practical effects in the 90s were so good. When they had the right people behind them, they were done really, really well, like Spielberg or James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and see, because CGI looks so bad, <laughs> looks so bad in the '90s. I mean, there there are very few movies that hold up well. The effects hold up well from the '90s, and and I mean, Titanic and uh, Jurassic Park, I think, are two of the best examples. Mm-hmm. You watch them now, and you're like, yeah, those look like they could have been made, um, you know, recently. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I I I, I do. I love that sailing off scene. It's it's mm-hmm. so good and. Uh, there is one scene though, like when, when they um, show the Titanic uh, sail past the little tugboat or like the little yeah. sailboat. There's like a little sailboat. Something about it, it looks like a clay ship. Yeah, no, that was the one thing I noticed too. I was like, I think they, I don't know if the ship was a clay ship, but I think they definitely used a mo- I think they might have used a model for the Titanic in that scene and then put it in a green and then green screened it behind a little boat. I think that might have been how they did it. Well, I mean, obviously it's a model, but I mean, it looks like it's a clay model or something. It's yeah, really weird. Yeah, instead of like a wooden model or something. Yeah, like it's really weird. I don't, I don't know. know what it is, but that always stood out to me. Hmm. So it cuts to the, you know, the interior of the ship. I think the very first shot is Jeanette Goldstein, who's a frequent James Cameron collaborator. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays the Irish mom and her kids. Um, oh, yeah. We see her. She's just like, oh yeah, there, there you go, honey. Like, go, go this, go this way. Like, whatever. You know, it's just, it's just a short little thing. But we mm. see her and her kids um, two or three more times throughout the movie, and it matters. Just showing her in this scene, and then we see her again, like when while the ship is sinking, and she's telling her kids that they have to wait to get up to the lifeboats, mm-hmm. and then we see them again. And so it's, it, it's, it, you know, it's like we don't need to know that much about them you know what i mean it's it, we just need to see this mother and her kids and like you know we'll see her a few times and we feel like we know them yeah we're bu- um, they're building the universe around mm-hmm. this story and and it's important because you need to you're trying he's trying to like instill this empathy in us for these other ancillary characters not just jack and rose but mm-hmm. it, 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 and he does a good job of seeing it's not just that Jack Jack and Rose isn't the center of the universe in this movie so much as they're part of the bigger picture, mm-hmm. which is the Titanic. They're one little snippet of all these other stories. Yep. And when you if you don't show other little glimpses of characters who are seemingly innocuous, then you lose that sense of Jack and Rose being a part of the big picture. Exactly. 
Um, and it's interesting. So like they make sure they show Jack and Fabrizio passing uh, different people. So they pass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this Irish mother and her kids. They pass an Asian man like mm-hmm. standing on the corner of one of the hallways and he's reading a book or something. I don't know. It's this Asian man with like a ponytail. And I think that's interesting because there's a deleted scene of I'm pretty sure it's that same Asian man being saved from the water at the end by the same lifeboat that saves Rose. Oh, oh, crazy. Yeah, and there I'm pretty sure there was a, a, a Chinese man that was saved from the water, uh, which is why they included that. And there were a few uh, Chinese guys and Asian guys on the Titanic, actually. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting that they just show him standing there on the, you know, right in the on the yeah. corner of this hallway and then if they had kept in that scene, like, there he is being saved, you know? Yeah. And I always noticed him for some reason there. Like, mm-hmm. Jack walks by him, and he, the guy kind of looks over his shoulder like, eh. And then another thing that some people might not notice is, you know, as Jack is looking for their cabin, right as they're about to go into their cabin, like, right as they're passing people in that hallway, if you look closely, Fabrizio locks eyes with this character, Helga, who we see later on throughout the movie. She's a, she's a Norwegian girl. Um, and Fabrizio pretty much had a whole love story subplot as well. Okay. With Helga. I remember that now. Okay. Cause I was trying to remember, I saw, I noticed him locking eyes with her and I couldn't, I was like, does he have a thing with her later? I was trying to remember, but okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, they both kind of look at each other. They're little. They're sort of checking each other out for a little bit there, yeah. like a split second. Uh, and it's again, like it's so subtle. It's easy to miss because you're kind of looking at Jack, and and it's just it's just these little subtle <laughs> things that you know they would put that in there. It just makes everything feel more real. You know what I mean? When you look back and you're like, wow, there was that tiny little moment that I didn't even notice with, you know, Fabrizio and Helga. And then with yeah. all the deleted scenes, they had this whole little mini love story going yeah. on in the background with it them, but. It. Yeah, rounds out the overall story. They should have a mm-hmm. spin-off movie of Fabrizio <laughs> and Helga. No, yeah, but it makes sense why all that was deleted. It's like we already yeah. have our main love story. We don't need this extra one. It's cool to fill in the gaps in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's kind of part of the fun of watching a movie more times is you're like, man, like there's this sub story and you know you you kind of make it up in your head and um that's kinda of cool too. I don't know. I just, I just really like the way they included that tiny little bit of them. Yeah, I mean, we don't get their relationship to the extent that it would have been had they included the deleted scenes. Sure. But you still get to know Helga a little bit. Like, she's... We see her a little bit throughout yeah. the movie, so... Yeah, that's cool. So it's nice, and we see her with Fabrizio a little bit. So, then, once Jack gets into his third-class cabin, which is tiny with these two sets of bunk beds, I also love how hunky-dory he is. Like, he's just so hunky-dory. Like, it's so crazy. He's just like, Jack, nice to meet you. Jack Dawson, nice to meet you. How you doing? Slaps the guy on his shoulder. Like, and then he just turns to Fabrizio, like, who says you get top bunk, huh? Like, everything's just so wonderful and happy. Like... Oh, man. And, of course, it's great when they cut to that guy and he says, where's Sven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. I want to know the relationship with those people and Sven and Olaf. Yeah. So, yeah, so after we see Jack's cabin, they immediately show us 
um, Cal on the private promenade deck in mm-hmm. their suite and, uh, and, and, you know, Rose unpacking all of her paintings and this, you know, just this giant suite that this family yeah. has. It's that stark comparison, which, you know, class, um, you know, classism is a big theme throughout the movie as well. Well, and that, and it's cool to see because Jack is in the lower class, but he's super happy and enthusiastic mm-hmm. and just appreciating everything. And then Rose is in like this high class suite and she hates and, you know, she said she's like tortured in her own. She wants to scream like she Mm -hmm. is enslaved Mm -hmm. and she just hates her life. And uh, it's just a really cool juxtaposition, I think. I think it's interesting the way we never see Jack's room again, except for when the the ship hits the iceberg. They show Fabrizio waking up in bed. Um, but like Jack is hardly ever in his room. Like like we never see him go back to the cabin. He's just awake for five days straight. That's why he's too busy on this adventure. I think it's funny that like Rose, they're like, they're on this ship for like, they're planning to be on this ship for a week and they're unpacking. Like they're going to be there. Like they're in a college dorm room or something like that. Oh yeah. Like she's (laughs) taking out her artwork. It's like, it's crazy. And, and it always was weird to me because like that room is so ornate it just seems weird to put art on the wall. Yeah, I don't know. it's art. Yeah, it's already kind of decked out. Yeah, but it's like, why are they just setting up to be living in this thing? They're only gonna be there for like when I moved into a college dorm room, I felt weird unpacking and decorating my room because I was like, I'm only gonna be here for nine months. Like, why am I yeah. going to like go all out? But they're there for a week and they're already like putting paintings up on the wall and stuff. I'm like, it's crazy. You're gonna have to take that down in a week. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, but. Yeah, but the interesting thing with this scene, though, is setting up the fact that Rose appreciates art and she's into Mm -hmm. art, um, which, you know, Jack is an artist and we find Mm -hmm. that out later. So that's something that they have in common. And, uh, you know, we see that Cal does not appreciate art and uh, he couldn't care less. Um, And there is this line. This is another line that everyone always points out as being horrible, which is the... What's the artist's name? Something Picasso. Something Picasso. He'll never amount to a thing. He won't. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that line? Um, I think it's funny. I mean, it, these, are, these are just like fun little things that, you know, are included. I mean, Picasso was big in the 20s. Uh, I mean, that's when he kind of hit his, his stride, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of fun. I like that kind of stuff. It's, it's Me very, too. It's so, like, these little Easter eggs are fun things to just kind of point it's out. Just, it's like, oh, Picasso was huge. Like, everyone knows Picasso. But in 1912, it just reminds you what time they're in. And, yeah, it's a yeah. little, I mean, obviously, it's it's technically forced, right? But, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. It's fun. Um, yeah, like, everyone really comes down super hard on that no, line. No. Like, wow, James Cameron treating us like idiots. Like, oh, isn't that funny? He <laughs> doesn't know that Picasso is going to become Picasso. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, she liked Picasso, apparently, and she didn't even remember his first name because he was, you know, she said something Picasso, but she liked yeah. art. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I And this is another cool little tidbit. I guess the Picasso painting that was in that scene, James Cameron wanted to use that but the Picasso administration, he asked them because I guess they he has to go through them when it has to do with this kind of because it's, you know, a, a piece of art. Um, he asked the Picasso administration if he could use it, but they decided that they couldn't authorize it because the painting has been on display at, at the Museum of Modern Art for like 60 years at that time. So they were like, it wouldn't make sense for it to go down in this shipwreck. 
So we right. can't authorize the use of it in um, in the movie, but right. he used it anyway. So then when they watched it, they ended up, I guess they ended up penalizing him for the inclusion in the in the movie. Yeah, because I yeah I've, I've seen people be funny. like, wow, imagine all that art lost with the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was like, yeah. no, screw this, I'm using this painting anyway. Like, I mean, he could afford the the penalty, whatever it was, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was kind of cool. But yeah, I do like, you know, I like the way they show that, you know, Rose has this genuine interest, the way she says, you know, it's like being inside a dream or something. There's truth, but no logic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just me quoting the entire movie. Yeah. Um, I love it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not that offended by that Picasso line. Like, no, like the, cool. there's There's like film snobs, I guess, that are like, wow, how low is that line, James Cameron, <laughs> to be like... Oh, ha, ha, ha. Cal doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's kind of, I like I said, I like that stuff. And it, it's, uh, it's, it, I mean, I'm sure there were, I mean, I know there were tons of people who thought Picasso was just like a, a, a hack. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like this weird guy who's doing this weird art and, you know, it was just crazy. But, uh, and this guy was, you know, high class, quote, unquote, um, and he was, you know, poo-pooing on Picasso because he was like, Picasso is just, it's novelty and it's just bizarre artwork. It's not real art. And just kind of like that generation gap where people weren't understanding the new school stuff. And it's like a, yeah. every, every single... Yeah, with anything. Yeah, yeah, it's like when I, I mean, I listen to some music and I'm like, what is this? And I'm Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, it's just me getting old. That's what it is. I also, I like the way... Rose says, the difference between Cal's taste in art and mine is that I have some. (laughs) (laughs) She was always, she was always sassy. She was always sassy. And and it's cool because, you know, she's the art piece that she holds the most. She has all these expensive pieces, right? And the one that she holds the most valuable is just just drawing of the love of her life made just for Mm -hmm. her, just on, on a whim. He just made it. Mm -hmm. Um, and Picasso is actually known to do that too. Um, he drew a lot of women, so hmm. interesting. So, according to the DVD scene selection, that is where this scene ends. Mm-hmm. So that's basically it for this episode. Of course, be sure to follow all of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Links will be in the description of this podcast episode. Feel free to leave us a voicemail via Anchor. There should be a link to that in the description as well. And you can shoot us an email at titanicscenebyscene at gmail.com. So we will see you guys in the next scene. See ya.